RIP chat with Bozeman. RIP chat with Bozeman. Um, is it too late to say, or is it too wrong to say Killmonger was right? I hope you're not recording. I hope you're not recording. <laughs> 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 That's either going to be the outro or the intro. I'm not going to Hello, everyone, and welcome to Is This Thing Recording? This is episode eight of Power Report, and I'm joined with a solo special episode by Bam. Bam, hello. Bam here in the building, Power Report 2. <laughs> Still with your mouse completely off screen. Like, we're going to have to teach you one day how to, like, yeah. properly set up a screen. I'm okay. This is perfect. This is what the people want. You know what? I'm even going to um, I'm gonna okay. change the layout on our thing. Bam's afraid of, like, any layout change we do. That's ah, not working. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> I wanted to do a side-to-side, but that's not going to work out. Anyways. Great podcast material. This is episode eight. Uh, we're going to do usually every other episode will be interview and then a panel show. Um, but this panel, of course, we couldn't get everyone together. Some people are uh, dying in trenches a little bit. It's a little bit rough in the streets. Um, some people, the schedules didn't work out. But Bam and I will have a great episode here. We're going to go through um, some of the, I guess we seem to be doing this all the time on the show, revisiting the um, current public climate and trauma around um protest and police brutality and double standards in um, racial politics. Then we'll go into the DNC and the RNC, which I'm told are different things. Uh, we'll do a fun question about whether or not Trump is going to win, because that's usually an annoying question most of the year, most of the time. But now we're about three months within the election period, so we can get two predictions and then really have fun with them. And lastly, a little bit of fun to end out the show. But to begin of course, with the shooting up in the Midwest, there was the thing with Jacob Blake. Of course, people at this point have heard a little bit about it, at least, but he was basically um, breaking up a domestic dispute of some kind. And when the police came, as usual, they came not to fix anything, but make things worse. The domestic dispute was already basically handled by um, Jacob Blake, at least what was happening at the time. And then once he was coming outside, apparently they were arguing with the police. And that's when, as Jacob Blake goes into his car, an officer is holding him by the shirt and shoots him in the back seven times. Um, he is, as, at least as far as I know right now, paralyzed, um, but still alive. That's at least good to hear because a lot of these things usually end in the passing of said um, yet another sad statistic in police brutality. But um, of course, nothing is really happening with the officer. Nothing is really happening um on the streets and then actually well there's the as he makes something happening on the streets with um the rise of mass or not mass vigilantes but just like vigilantes who are into white nationalist propaganda that is very adjacent to right-wing propaganda arguably the same thing we'll argue later in the show same thing but <laughs> I, I don't know bam what are your thoughts on this another <laughs> week of a news cycle where we see this happen yet again in this country well jacob blake was 29 years is 29 years old um was shot in the back if, if i'm not mistaken three of his children were in the car um it's i mean it's just sad because i'm so numb to police 
brutality and just seeing heinous police shootings. I saw that one. I, I remember the one from South Carolina was basically the exact same thing. Oh, actually, no, that one in South Carolina was worse because the cop asked him to get his ID out the car, then shot him in the back. Um, I'm there, there's conflicting reports. It sucks whenever these things happen. Like, like I'm also hearing that they were there for him. I don't know that. Did he get tased? I'm not sure, but like, it's just this constant thing where you feel like somebody's black, they're guilty. The police treat these people like they're guilty already. And they, they just have so much fear and just so trigger happy when it comes to black people. And it really sucks for me on a personal level that I mean, I, I mean, I'm not just to be very honest, like I'm just I'm numb to it. I'm like, I've seen it so many times. It's just a constant thing. You welcome. You are now as black pilled as I am, as I like to say, like you, it's like I'm numb. I've hit the low point. Like what that there's nothing I am going to learn personally from seeing that another one of these shootings that I haven't known since the George Floyd shooting that I haven't known since before that, since I haven't known basically being raised as an African-American in this country. Like, it's just like, it's, it's now more apparent. The cases are more obvious. It seems like no matter how obvious the cases get, the um, requisite sort of backlash or um, reform doesn't come. There's never any time where, uh, well, I mean, we almost had it with the George Floyd demonstrations. I know I was really cynical, cynical about it. Um, when we were talking about them earlier this year, bam, and you said that, no, maybe this time there are enough people on the streets, it seems to be a sustained thing, that maybe this was going on. And I think there's that sustained attention to some extent. Um, I think there's something to be said that the police officers, even under that sustained attention, still feel they can do this with impunity because their truth is they're partially right. But even under this attention, it's not like we've had um, uh, the other party, the opposing party, the Republican party, even come over and say, oh, wow, these things really have gotten out of hand. You know, um, we care about law and order, as we know, as a Republican Party, but we really got to do something about police training or at least at least accountability in some way. No, it's not happening. If anything, you're getting doubling down, quadrupling down from the Republican Party on, um, well, you know, the New York Post obviously had their articles ready with, look at, let's check out his criminal record and background. Like, it's, you know, the usual suspect is happening all over again. So, like you said, the cycle is... I've gone through the cycle hundreds of hundreds of times. There is no low point. Like there is no point out of this. I'm, I'm so numb. Like, I, I mean, I've seen the worst of the worst when it comes to police brutality. I mean, it sounds crazy and I don't know how somebody else hears this, but I've seen a cop shoot a chihuahua. Like it's, I'm, I'm literally seen a, it's like a little tiny dog that wasn't bothering him and he shot it. Like there's, like, that's one thing about being numb. But kind of going back to the, um, what was happening, I mean, we're going to get into the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse stuff. But what, whenever the George Floyd, like, protest popped off, the most, the, the biggest thing for me was when AOC tweeted out that a lot of politicians are scared of police. There is a culture in policing that is terrifying, I think, for politicians. It's a, it operates like a gang. And I think that, and, and they, they operate with elements that are 
um, reactionary and extremely violent and armed. And I think that was even more evidenced by what happened with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. The police are in their tanks, passing out water to these guys, these militia member dudes, uh, thanking them that they're there. They're perfectly fine with these vigilantes being there. Yeah, yeah, I say really fast. Let's go get into that since we're getting into that point now. Um, so the name Kyle Rittenhouse unfortunately became um, a major part of the news because he was shown to at a Black Lives Matter demonstration in Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, the area where the Jacob Blake shooting had happened. Kyle Rittenhouse was one of these militia members who saw that they're going to be Black Lives Matter demonstrations. So of course he joins the militia counter demonstrations and he really makes this effort to um, like appear like he is part of the wave that is against these demonstrations as though he cares about black, although Kyle Rittenhouse cares about black lives. Um, There's some photos going around that he was like cleaning up graffiti and making sure that he could protect black neighborhoods. There are videos of him walking around um, with his gun and firearm and everything. And it coalesces in this point where um, Kyle Rittenhouse ends up shooting um, one person in the head, another person in the chest, and a third person in the arm. The first two people um, have unfortunately passed, and the second, and the third person who was shot in the arm had their arm amputated because of the bullet wound. This is a 17-year-old kid who brought the gun across state lines, the gun he shouldn't have had legally, um, and fired it into a situation where it does not appear that he was under threat. It seems like he was the one making the threat, and then other people were acting um, in a reaction to him being the threat. Um, so I, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about definitely the threat aspect and who gets to, um, the, the familiar term, stand your ground comes up on here, but I'll, I'll let you jump in on that. Cause like, that's where you kind of left off. Like the fact that you can be armed with a, uh, a AR 15 and like you're, and you're just the same as somebody with two hands in, 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 in Wisconsin, like obviously in different States, but, I don't want to say this country, obviously, but like in certain places in this country and, and actually no to in this country, because there's going to be a lot of people in the media that just look at them the same. Right. This just unbelievable. Like he's he's just a, that that's he's the same as an unarmed person, but he's armed to the teeth. So for me, no, the fact that he's out there at a protest with a freaking uh, with the with the killing machine he's a threat the fact that that's allowed like yeah these guys are allowed to be here too with their with their guns and these uh these other protesters are unarmed and these guys are the the counter protesters and they're armed like just it, it just screams like that the police are complicit like dude tell those people to go home Tell them to, tell them, I saw another video, there was, I saw a video, there's some, I don't know if it was in Wisconsin or not, but um, there's some guy wearing blackface, some white dude wearing blackface running around trying to like jump around at the protest being funny. The police got him out of there. They're like, dude, get out of here. And then- Yeah, we don't want you to get hurt from these like crazy protesters. Meanwhile, yeah. like the thing that ticked me off with the Rittenhouse aside was that um, it was actually a video of the police in their like armored tanks trying to disperse protesters. And Kyle Rittenhouse was there on the same night. I, I don't remember it was either before he had just shot and killed two protesters or after he had just shot and killed two protesters. But you see a guy in a tank throwing a water bottle to him saying, thank you for being out here. We appreciate it. Like 
if there's no more like glaring example to the point you were making bam a while ago and you're like now semi-famous uh the police are just a mafia and a gang kind of rant like that is it right there not only are they a mafia and a gang they know who their allies are in the streets and it's funny how every single time they seem to be allying with the people who think that there is a genocide currently happening against white people that they are the last line of defense to stop wow would you imagine that like i mean I mean, it's 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 comical that somebody can say anything different at this point. Like, like we're talking about the police. We're not talking about individuals. We're not talking about bad apples. We're talking about the culture of policing. We're talking about something that's deep. Like, it's not just like the guy riding around in the neighborhood or somebody pulling somebody over for a traffic stop. We're talking about what's going on inside that we have no idea about. But every once in a while, the DOJ comes out with some report and they 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 blow the whole shit up when they did it in Ferguson. They're like, yeah, there's racialized policies here. There's all kinds of corrupt things going on in this police department. They did it in Baltimore. I don't know if it was actually Baltimore PD, but like in Maryland, same thing. DOJ investigates. There's all kinds of stuff going on. All, like just so much corruption that's happening in every single police department and and then there's worse things happening where they're like part of these militia movements they're like virulent genocidal racists and this is and and when when things are tense when things are made tense by the police shooting people in the back uh kneeling on somebody for eight minutes until they're until they die uh, shooting Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old kid uh, with a with a toy gun in, a, in an open carry state. Don't even say anything to him. Just ride up on him and shoot him and kill him. People are going to react to that. Like, yeah. what, 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 if you're some right-wing loser, like, what do you think is supposed to happen? Somebody's supposed to have their kid get shot and they're just supposed to be like, oh, well, um, man, I guess I should have had a white kid. I, I, like, what the hell, what the hell's going on? No, clearly the response is to um, A, only handle your anger and have your outburst by protesting and voting. That's the only thing you can do. And um, B, whatever you do, make sure that um, you don't destroy any Black-owned businesses because then you'll be defeating the point. They'll be like, that that's, that's defeats the whole idea because then if you like, if a window gets busted somewhere, if property gets busted somewhere, that defeats the whole purpose of you being upset that someone's life is gone. It, it, like literally that's what it is, is that, if um, a door gets busted, then your anger about someone paralyzed for the rest of their life, someone's kids being traumatized for the rest of their life unnecessarily because of our uh, years uh, long connection to slavery system that we have that is policing in this country. The fact that we're just supposed to react to that and just be okay. like. And I keep getting at it. This is happening repeatedly, all the same things from the original incident to the way the media responds to it, to the same tepid way Republicans go, oh, yeah, I guess there's nothing we can do. To the same tepid way the Democrats go, oh, yeah, well, look at the Republicans. They're not letting us do anything. So I guess there's nothing we can do. So you just kind of 
let the outrage hit and then subside because there's a fire going on somewhere, there's a hurricane going on somewhere, there's a flood going on somewhere else. And then we just go about our merry day, look at some stock market numbers, and then there's another hashtag, there's another guy who gets shot. And we have the same thing over and over again. And so like, no one is going to ever, like it's just gonna keep hitting these stalls where we have this moment of outrage and anger and there's these Instagram sync piece posts about racism that fly around for three days and then nothing happens because we've decided that we are an entirely inept and failed state and we don't expect anything from our politicians but the inevitable like apocalyptic demise that inevitably puts America under another country's rule. But maybe I'm just getting a little too op- a little too optimistic for this episode. <laughs> Slow down to bump the bricks. <laughs> um, like I I'm someone that's been paying attention to police brutality like not not I don't want to say like, you know, so hard, but like pretty pretty intensely, intently since um the Mike Brown case. And like you lose track of all the ridiculous murders that happen from police. Like you just lose track. It's like, man, this happens a lot. And it's like, there ain't enough. There, there's not enough hashtags. There's not enough protests. Like, um, they're, they're like even the fact that like these, uh, the protests and stuff rarely happen when there's like a white guy that gets um, attacked by the police, whatever, like, there's just there's you can't even keep up with all the terrible things that police officers do but the only way that it'll change this is this is i mean i I guess talking solutions i guess the only way that i think it could change is that you know if we're gonna pretend that the fbi is different from the police like they need to infiltrate these departments record all the crazy shit that's going on inside and then blow it up. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the police are just going to go crazy and start killing people in the streets. But there, there, there's a culture of policing. I think Dan's trying to find the solution uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's, there's a culture, and that is what we're talking about. Like, Okay, so even for what you're saying, Bam, like, even you're saying that the only solution is for the FBI to like go in and really show what these police departments are about from like a federal level unbiased from the individual fraternities of the police orders. Like, again, like set aside that one large assumption that you're already like kind of making a face at like, yeah, maybe that's kind of a large assumption, but B you're also making the assumption that like the general public when presented with damning factual visual information will turn. And like, I think that was true to a point, but like we've hit the threshold of that. Just like how Donald Trump's approval numbers, let's say um, optimistically that this is his last term, Donald Trump's approval numbers never really fell below 35%, right? That means like there's a floor. That means we've alienated all the people he possibly can. Now we've got the diehards. They're just only going to hit the diehards. I think we've hit like the, as far as we being the, broader movement for racial justice and uh, um, reorganization of power in this country, we have exhausted all of the avenues to get to the people who accept facts. Like Mm. we've reached that threshold now. So I don't even know if that understanding of one day we 
peel back the curtain and show everyone what's really going on. The fuck does that do at this point? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't seem like it makes a dent. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, I think like there would be some people, but yeah, there's gonna there, there's some people that would be like, oh wow, I didn't know that. Like, there's still some of those. I think when it comes to policing itself, um, and because like police, you know, people know cops and stuff. Like, there's gonna have to be like a lot of them to be like, yeah, you know what? Like, that's what's going on. But whatever. There, like, you're you're totally right. There are some people that like they will not accept, they, they don't believe in facts. They, it's just like, no, it's just like what I believe and like whatever else is a lie or just whatever Trump says, whatever Tucker Carlson says, these people are right and whatever else is different doesn't matter or or or, or just doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's true, but I don't care. Um, yeah, we do have a lot of those. And like, when I think about those people, like those are the scary people. Like, <laughs> you know, that's what Kyle Rittenhouse is. Um, and, and those people he shot, those people he killed, there's two white guys he killed. Um, like, they, like yeah, they're, they're willing to, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I don't want to say like they're all willing to just shoot and kill anybody. He seemed like the only one to do it. But like, they're, they're like, you know, the race war. I mean, like, I, I, let me just pause on that because he wasn't the only one to do it. Let's, let's drag Facebook in here because there was an event that said like on Facebook that said like come be come fight against Antifa in Kenosha, Wisconsin that night, um, asking for militia members to come armed and like protect property. There was a Facebook event asking motherfuckers to come up here armed. We've seen these people protesting masks. They're like, you can't make me wear a mask. I've got a gun. So of course they these people are going to take this shit seriously on Facebook, on Boomer Book. Absolutely. So like there's, and then Facebook said, you know, we understand that there's the possibility that having an event like this may have encouraged some harm. It's, it's it, again, like we're, if anything, I can call 2020, like the precipice of reality in the sense that it's so obvious now. It, if you don't see it, you're either not paying attention willfully, like you've just accepted the um, pillow of stupid and you're just like jumping into it willfully and just like a ball pit of stupid and you're just falling in, or you purposely do it to back your racist agenda. But like even th that's what they're doing. That's, that's the other thing we have to price into these things now. We're going to forget about a little bit. The basketball players and the hockey players and baseball players will boycott like one and a half minutes of gameplay and then another person's going to get shot. There's going to be Black Lives Matter protests. The police are going to respond to the protests of them shooting someone by, ignition, by igniting curfews and um, launching tear gas at the protesters. So basically punishing people for responding to the injustice that they are perpetrating. And then on top of that, you're going to have militia members who follow along in these like communities where these shootings happen to come armed to protect the cops. Like, that's what they've done now. The Republican Party has successfully jujitsued its dumbest supporters into protecting the jackbooted thugs with guns. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of I mean, actually. Yeah, I mean, and I was waiting for you to, I was waiting for you to say it, the word racist. I was waiting for you. You said it first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And, and really, like, I just feel like that's what it boils down to. Like, you have people that are just the worst of the worst type of person. Like, 
for me, like to be a racist, you are the worst. Like that's the worst kind of person you can be. And these people are motivated and they're being whipped up. I mean, and, and, and I mean, okay, actually, I'm not gonna get off topic. Let me stay on topic. Um, they're being whipped up and there's just like no middle ground. Like there's no, like, there's no, like some people were thinking the middle ground is cops kneeling with you. Um, th- them locking arms with you, them taking a picture with you, them saying black lives matter somewhere. Like, no, it doesn't matter, dude. Like when you have a, like when, when, the, when a police officer feels comfortable shooting someone unarmed, not dangerous, like when they feel comfortable doing that, like we're talking about something way bigger and we're not going to get to the bottom of it until like they start turning on each other or I just, I don't know. Like, it, I it, it, like other cops are going to have to start turning on each other before it really. And whenever, whenever they do, they end up dead. <laughs> like they, or they end up winning witness protection. Like, they're worse than any gang. They're worse. Like they, they're scared that once you once you, that's a blood in blood out organization, dude. Yeah. Um, I think the last point that we can put on here is I remember we juxtaposed just the incidents where like you've seen the back and forth between how Jacob Blake and Kyle Rittenhouse were treated where like, Jacob Blake was solving a problem. He got shot seven times. Kyle Rittenhouse was shooting other people and he got a water bottle. Well, you can even put it like this, all right? There is an instance where Jacob Blake, like obviously you have his thing. There's like a world star hip hop video you sent where like the police officers have their guns drawn at this white dude who's all like up in his truck. And this white dude in his truck is yelling in the cop's face. Like, I'll fucking kill you. You get that gun out of my face. You better not do that. And he lives. And like, that's basically the end of the video. Like, he leaves. He leaves. He, 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 they don't even touch him. Like the cop doesn't, the cop has the gun drawn to him and the cops don't touch him or arrest him. No threats, no resisting arrest, no threats against an officer. It's just because you get to protect your dignity in America if you look like that. You get to have the benefit of the doubt in America if you look like Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, you get presumed guilty and your life literally doesn't mean shit if you're black or you're Jacob Blake. So at least thankfully he's alive, but let's move on to- um, can, can, I, can, I say, can I say something else about Kyle Rittenhouse? I didn't say enough about him. <laughs> last point, last point. Yeah, last point, because I, I didn't really give him, a, I didn't give him enough heat Kyle Rittenhouse, I don't know who your parents are. They're failures. Fuck you and them. Whoever was around in your circles that didn't get you to not be this type of person, they're all failures. Everybody failed you. Everybody that's like you is a loser and a and a clown and an idiot. You wasted your life, dude. 17 years old. Somebody got in your brain and brainwashed you at 17 
to think that I need to go out and go carry like you're about to hit you're about to get fed time probably because you cross state lines. Somebody brainwashed you into doing this at 17 years old. Those people are responsible. Your whoever got you over there is responsible. And I hope there's I hope other young, impressionable. Uh, it's, it's not even just white kids, other young, impressionable, prone to conspiracy, incel, loser kids, see something like that, because that dude, when, when they show him at the courthouse, he's going to be crying. He's not going to be standing up like uh, Anders Breivik in Norway. He's going to be like, fuck, my life is over. And nobody wants to go to jail at 17 for shit for the rest of your life. There ain't nothing that important. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll double down. Like, I don't care. Like, there are a lot of these shooters who I hate the fact that now, because this case is so egregious, we're going to be giving this motherfucker way more attention than he deserves. But, like, fuck him. Fuck his family. Fuck his entire, like, ideology and people that he comes from. Um, fuck him all to hell. I hope that when, like, I mean, if this were an actual just society, he wouldn't make it to the trial hearing. He would just be left to die in jail. And I'm going to not get graphic as to how he would die in jail, but I have thoughts to that. Like, there, we are so blocked out of balance in this country with, like, what really happened versus how we should really be treating this and how, what kind of seriousness we should really be having about this. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's, no. I, I, I have to stop because I will. No. Get don't, don't get caught up on the internet believing bullshit, thinking that there's some big conspiracy that you need to go and protect something. You're 17, dude. Like, don't get caught up on the internet on that bullshit. There ain't no reason. You're 17. Go try to make something out of yourself. Those dudes, those older 30-something-year-old guys, they're, they're happy. They're like, shit, man, this guy is fucking going too far. They, they came out there to stunt with their guns. They weren't trying to shoot him. You're a dumbass because you're 17. You're, you're, you don't know better. You went out and shot somebody. I hope the other young dudes who get brainwashed by these older guys or these idiots on the internet to go out there and bring their guns out and do something stupid, I hope you think twice because that dude is going to regret that for the rest of his life. He, there's no there's no glory in jail. There's no pride in jail. There ain't nothing. They're not. He's not gonna go to jail and get celebrated for killing some Antifa guys. No, they're gonna be like, you give me that fucking coffee cake, little dude, idiot. Let's just, long story short, fuck Kyle Rittenhouse with a rotten cucumber. Let's go to the hope of the country, the Democratic National Committee. Um, yeah, they are our saviors. They are here to come for us. The Democratic National Committee had their sort of like um, time to time in the spotlight to express what the country is going to look like under them, their vision for the country. And the entire thing was just like kind of a shit show through and through. I mean, you kind of had the convention begin with Bill Clinton, who in the 2016 Democratic Convention already looks like the fucking Crypt Keeper with his like eyes, like you could basically see his brain and his eyes protruding from his skull because the rest is rotting off of him for the 2016 convention where he's looking like the, where he's looking at the balloons like it's its last like moment of 
brain chemicals reaching his body before death and he's having that euphoric moment but he's speaking at the 2020 convention at the same week where yet another photo of him receiving a massage from one of the women that epstein groomed is floating out on the internet so if that doesn't tell you enough about the democratic party i don't know what does um you have uh sam cedar from the majority report made a pretty interesting point that basically the 2020 dnc was the 2004 rnc you had people like John Kasich, you had people like Colin Powell, you had just a lot of conservatives who were basically making the Democratic Party message. And it's weird because so much of the energy and so much of the media attention, um, media attention be damned, um, in this past cycle went towards the energy of the left and the power of like the left and the insurgent left and the Democratic Party. And they seem to have most of the policy ideas and most of the goals. So you'd think that that would be placated or referenced at least a little bit, but no, Joe Biden won. So it's going to be about um, a return to normal where Republicans were, um, can be completely awashed of their sins of the past four years for um, creating a cottage industry out of profiting off of the death of people of color. Um, that, that's, the, that's the vision of the DNC that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris bring now. Um, so I, I know, like, but neither of us really watched the um, DNC. Thankfully, there were people who were out there who did the reporting for us. So um, those of us could not lose the remaining brain cells we have left. But Bam, what were some of your thoughts on the DNC? I mean, me, per like, I'm like someone that's like on the left, like my my politics don't align with like the, uh, you know, regular schmegular Democratic Party. So I like I'm not surprised by anything. I'm just like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Um, I'm going to give Colin Powell a pass because he did go embarrass himself at the U.N. And I think they made it. That was like a black sacrifice. Like, I think they made him do that. Like, <laughs> like, if you want to stick around, you, you're going to be the one to go embarrass yourself at the U.N. So I'm going to let Colin Powell rock. I was really I mean, I don't say I'm sad, but like John Kasich do like, really? The crossroads <laughs> picture, the crossroads passing. That was so cheesy. I was like, dude, come on. Like that him, he's like the worst dude. Like anti he was the loser from the Romney cycle. Like he was the he was the not even Pete he was the Julian Castro of the Mitt Romney cycle. Like he was so irrelevant. like he was politically speaking as far as presidential chances, he was a nobody. Yeah, like like I mean, and and his politics are just like I mean, I don't know what the hell he's even doing supporting I mean and I guess I can see him supporting Joe Biden, but like supporting the Democrats, like it's weird. But like that was the one I was kind of like, damn, dude, like, you, like, why this guy? Like, he's like anti-abortion. He's like anti-gay. Like, what's up with this guy? Like, I mean, there's definitely going to be like some choices that they make who have who, like who's speaking and like their agenda that I'm just that's not me. Um, I don't think anybody talked about universal health care like you know, there's going to be a lot of pandering. Um, like, but for me, like for me, isn't there something to be said about like the complete capitulation to the Republican framing of society? Because to, to skip a little bit ahead, I think the Republican National Convention was like, the, the main theme of the DNC was that it's the Republican National Convention from like 10 years ago. The main theme of the Republican National Convention is that it's the Republican National Convention from like bizarro world. Like they're living in a completely altered reality that they're creating um, out of thin air where Trump is a successful president while at the same time the last four years have been terrible so Trump needs to be elected to fix the problems in society so like 
the issue with the Democrats is that they are accepting the framing that the Republicans are giving them, that the, that the Democrats have messed up the country, that they haven't done enough for the country, or that um, the Republicans are right or acting in good faith with any of their opinions or policies. Like, even then, the John Kasich stuff with him being um, against gay marriage in, like, 2012 and being a really staunch conservative with the party, um, obviously not, like, the most far right ever. He was always, like, a moderate, but, like, a moderate conservative, be real about what moderates are in America compared to the broader political spectrum worldwide. Um, he, he's, it's this odd sort of the Democrats crying uncle and saying, okay, we'll play the game your way. We're just going to like moan and complain and pretend to be upset while we're doing it. But we'll basically like be the Republican party's mini me is like, they're not giving anyone a message. They're not giving anyone like a theme to say like the Democratic Party stands for this. They're mostly just trying to say, take these nice snapshots and memories in history. Um, this is what we want to go back to. Just vote for me and you'll get a go back to that button. Like in some of the Democratic Party rewriting of history, sorry, Dan, but like in some of the Democratic Party rewriting of history, they said that um, Barbara Lee was a standout Democrat because she voted against the war in Iraq. And it's like, she's the only one. Wow. <laughs> Actually, that's like amazing. It, it seems like Democrats have been really on it because it seems like that was the only Democrat. Oh, wait, you mean there wasn't only one Democrat in Congress during the vote for the war in Iraq? You mean every other Democrat um, basically voted for the war in Iraq other than like Barbara Lee and a couple of others? And like, you're completely missing the point. And I think that's like, if they were to admit that, they'd be giving up the whole game almost too quickly. It's that the Democrats have always existed to be the Republican light party. The idea that there's any real difference of them has been like really good marketing and a facade that they have put in place over the past several decades. And right now, it's just like they can be as mask off as the Republicans for how much they enjoy austerity politics and the politics of um letting capital reign while the rest of America crumbles. Well, I don't want to, not, not necessarily to play devil's advocate, but like, there's a part of me that wonders, like, I mean, you're not even, even when uh, Joe Biden kind of won the nomination and like when he started to kind of pick up steam, even though it was a weird time, like COVID hit around that same time. Like, there's a part of me that's just like, well, maybe honestly, that's just America. Like, there's a part of me that's like, okay, like, I know my politics, I know the people that I know, and like how we feel. But like, it's a big ass country. There's a, I mean, I'm, I'm here in my space and like connecting with a few people that that are like minded. You know, maybe that Joe Biden, there's a, the, the Joe Biden and that like centrist platform and go back to whatever, like, there, there's got to be a lot of people that actually want that. I mean, just, I mean, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not going against what you're saying because I, I feel how you feel, but there's got to be so many people that are like, that's what they want. Although yeah, I, can't, I, I can't fathom what that means because I don't really know what Joe Biden is saying to like actually want, but, but he's got to be speaking to a lot of people. Like here's the sad reality is that like, at the end of the day, we're talking about the voting opinions of um, only the people who vote. So like, 
there's all the people in America, because we always kind of like talk about Americans' opinions and perspectives. Like we could be being literal with that and saying all 330,000 people in America or so. But it's not that. It's really just the eligible voting age population who is registered to vote and who votes often. That's already cut down to like a third of the country down from like already. So like, I I think there's a lot of people who exist outside of that voting universe who um, um, their political opinions are not mappable on the political spectrum. It's because our, our political system does nothing more. It's like fantasy football. It just serves the people who are involved in it. It's an industry for that is, nice for the people who participate in the game and um like it brings and like no disrespect to fantasy football or anything like that but it's all just like it's it's play money it's show money for the vast majority of the rest of the population but if you are playing in politics you're the eligible voting age population like we know that the electorate skews older and skews wider and more educated so it really just means it skews towards a certain population who has been fed a certain type of propaganda as we've all been fed certain types of propaganda based on our slivers and slices of population and biden is running towards that candidate it's just that when you have conventions like this these conventions the audience are the political diehards and so when you're looking in as someone who as a political diehard like you and I heart, I guess, like it was care as far as we have the interest in it, but we have no loyalty towards the parties. We don't particularly like any of the parties. And we know that um, the party structures themselves are the most uh, corrupt and least stable parts of the whole system. Like they're the monsters, they're the Frankenstein monsters keeping this all going, are the Democratic and the Republican party establishments as they are, like companies and corporations. So like, yeah, to your point overall to say, the electorate is more like conservative what biden is talking about but it goes to say that the parties and the electorate all the stuff we're talking about is so divorced from real politics and everything else that regular people outside the political system are dealing with and that disconnect is so clear and so stark just like all the other disconnects are in this country that the regular people are not paying attention to it and they don't care. It's just whatever the DNC and the RNC do, whatever. My day is going to go on. And so they've gone in, the DNC and the RNC are gone in reacting as though that is just the reality. They don't have to cater to that any kind of group. So if you're just looking into it, it is so stark how out of touch these parties ultimately are with the public still. So I'll stand on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just... Like when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I guess like America is pretty conservative. Like, yeah, like my politics aren't popular. Like, you know, it's it's just it's a kind of a conservative. Oh, well, actually, yeah, electorate, like the vote, the people that vote and care to vote. Like, it's yeah. a mostly conservative-minded group, um, whether they vote Democrat or Republican. The difference is now, like the the Republican like voice that's out there is like kind of, it's pretty wild nowadays. It's gotten kind of, it it ain't like 2004 Republicans. Um, But yeah, there's a part of me that's just like, maybe, maybe like what's needed is, I mean, it, it sounds defeatist, but I don't mean it this way. Like maybe what's needed is some more time. Um, more like 
more of these older people like holding on to uh, kick the bucket, maybe like influencing a younger generation to like understand the benefits of universal health care, like understand, like not be proper. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that could definitely happen, bam. But like, if only like, the, there's, there's a book from like 2002 that's like, by the year 2015, Democrats are going to be as such that Texas is blue. And that totally didn't happen. But like, there's a, there's a bit of a true story that does come with like, okay, demogra- like demographics are moving in such a way that the, ele- the party electorate that generally work well for Democrats um, will vote more and make up more of the voting electorate. But all these things are all else being equal, kind of like ceteris paribus arguments. And obviously like they don't predict these wild things like Trump. So basically what I'm saying is, yeah, all that demographic stuff is true, but it doesn't make a difference if you can't hold your ground. If you can't like hold things back from pushing more rightward in the meantime for that electric change, then you're not going to get anything out of that. And that is, or the Democrats have proven themselves completely unable to hold their ground. They just capitulate and move themselves further right to accommodate with the rightward um, pull of the conservative party. Well, and, and, and so what I'm speaking of is like more of like culture, like the general culture of the nation, as, like aside from demographics, like there are cultural changes happening. Like when you, like, I mean, just the boy, the, the, the strikes happening in the NBA and like different things like that, like those are like cultural phenomenons that are like happening. Like, however, um, well, on the surface they are, whatever, like somebody could say like, oh, they don't matter. They don't mean anything. But this isn't stuff that you used to see. So there are cultural shifts, like hockey teams coming out, like when their base is like white, you know, like demographically, you would think that there's no reason for them to do that. Demographically, you would think that there's no reason for NASCAR to say we're not going to have Confederate flags anymore. Their demographic fucks with the Confederate flag, but the culture has shifted in a way that it's like, no, we're not doing that anymore. So... There are, but cultural changes take time and they do take movements. So I'm optimistic in the sense that like the culture can move forward in a way that's um, beneficial to the nation. There are a lot of powers that are going to fight against that. There are a lot of powers within that are calling themselves Democrats that are going to fight against that cultural shift. But I do think that it can happen um you know, we, people just got to stay focused kind of thing. People, people, people like yourself. We, we need you in the fight, not being cynical. We need I, you, Dan. Um, I would be less cynical if life were a little more motivating. I, 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 there are reasons for my cynicism. I think they're pretty fair what I stayed at. But let's, let's segue on to... The story from the Democrats, what they could take away from the Democratic Convention is that, like, we as a party are giving up. The best hope we can have for is a chance at being able to shift the status quo um, back to the 2013 consensus, maybe, um, where the biggest thing was that we're wondering if the electoral t- or the presidential ticket is valid or not because one of the people's are black and so they may not have been born in the country. Um, you know, the good old days. 
But from the Republican National Convention, kind of like I alluded to earlier, it was a case of complete revisionism and like mirror land thinking that in this version of Donald Trump's America, um, coronavirus was handled well. The economy that Trump had inherited from Obama not done much but pumped up the stock market by making stock market investors at the very, very top of the distribution significantly wealthier um, from before the coronavirus and after. Um, Trump is touting that as a huge win. He is saying that Joe Biden is the king of the swamp when, um, of course, pulling from uh, Donald Trump's drain the swamp narrative in 2016, even though I guess if you just look at the Department of the Interior alone and Donald Trump turning America's national beauty into oil tar sand fields, that's definitely not too much of a swamp monster to me. Um, or Trump isn't someone who's going to be fighting the swamp to me. But basically you have this sort of idea that, look, regardless of what's happening, we are just going to paint a beautiful picture for you that Donald Trump is great. And if you elect that socialist Joe Biden, haha. Um, everything will be fine and, and Donald Trump will be able to come again in November and continue fixing America. It's like Donald Trump is running as an incumbent president. Um, no, as a, he's running as a challenger president, even though he's the incumbent as of the last four years, haven't been on his watch. Um, but there's one last statistic I want to jump into before like getting into my main question. It's that, is this revisionism working? Are Republicans really like believing in this rosier picture that Donald Trump is painting and the Republican Party is painting when the world is so horrible? Um, yes, absolutely. Because with the COVID death, ta- death count at 180,000 about, um, it just came out that 57% of Republicans believe the current COVID death count is acceptable. <laughs> it was weird. They act like there was a COVID-18. Like, how do they know? Like, it's like, like, geez, <laughs> just, I mean, it's, I mean, it's obvious. It's just because Trump's president. If it was Biden, then they would be like, oh my God, this is genocide. <laughs> um, I, I love that uh, Trump called Biden a Trojan horse for socialism. That was a good one. <laughs> he comes with the hitch. I was like, wow, man. I mean, geez, he could have been running against like uh, John Kasich and called him a socialist. Um, yeah, the RNC is a joke. Like these people are just like brain dead. The fact that they, the fact that they brought them two people from St. Louis that were like pointing their guns at the during the protests, like I oh yeah they they they, they brought the uh, gun couple um, yeah. Karen and Ken um, from yeah the St. Louis protest from yet another shooting that happened earlier um in the year hopefully they got them on the rnc stage just like put them on a pedestal yeah so they can so they can talk like victims when not one damn person's pointing a gun at you but you got your finger on the trigger of a pistol and 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 she's probably gonna get locked up for that shit um um, she's a lawyer we'll see we'll see see. i mean there's gonna be some penalty for it for sure but I don't know if she'll get locked up. It'll be, it'll be nice though. Um, like, what what do you even say about the Republican National Convention? I do. The, actually, the thing that you bring up, which is like the most important in my opinion, is Donald Trump running as a challenger. That's like the uh, like 
the basis of right wing thought is like you're always the victim. Like there's they're always like you're you're always like uh, uh, fighting against someone. Like it's like you're never in power really. And if anything goes wrong, it's it's you're. I mean, it's obvious. You're under the seizure. Like you're under the siege of fear at all times, and yeah. or sways that fear. Vote for us, and we'll protect you from all the fears. Even mm-hmm. when we're in power, you need to keep us in power so that the fears stay away. Because yeah. all the fears you fear while we're in power are because of our opponents who are weak. Yeah. While we're strong, which is why you need to keep us in power so we can stay strong. Yeah. It's, it's the worst logic. It's it's the it's like the most weirdest thing. Like. You're supposed to be tough, but you're also terrified. And like, that's why it just doesn't appeal to me. I'm like, I don't walk around life scared. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm a black man in America. Like, I have the most reason to be terrified. Dan's out here, uh, and I'm shooking. Um, like, snitching, clearly. But, but I don't walk around scared. Like, I walk around like, Yo, let's make it happen. Like, let's make this shit better. Not like, oh my God. Huh, those, oh my God. Huh. I mean, when I see those militia member dudes, when I see these people like the McMansion uh, couple, you, you're going out with guns against, there's no, nothing's happening to you. And so all these losers sitting at the RNC would probably, uh, 15% of them going to get COVID. Um, oh, and I guess they never even mentioned Herman Cain. Damn. That's rough, buddy. He was out there tapping. Yeah, he, he, he was replaced very quickly. They had many other magic Negroes uh, yeah. waiting in his stead to convince white people that there's no reason that they're racist at all because Herman Cain's up there. Tap, tap dancing for all them years. Couldn't get one shout out. Anyway. Candace Owens. I mean, like, pour some out for Candace Owens, who has been shucking jiving. Like, she literally started her career with a lawsuit against white people claiming racism and has pivoted entirely around to saying that black people have been racist to her her whole life. And after literally giving everything, her edges included, into this Republican Party, they give her dick. They give her nothing. Not a, not a nod, a couple of like hashtags on Twitter. That's it. Nothing. Charlie Kirk went up there, not even a little shout out, not even a little smirk. Charlie Kirk went up there and did his whole thing. He's got his 2024 um, run like in the bag as far as he thinks. So Candace Owen got left in the win, which will just show you like, I mean, yeah, it's true. I would be the first to tell you that uh, you can be black in the Democratic Party and you can try everything and like work with them. But if you have the wrong opinions, the party ultimately won't give you shit. Well, you could be a Republican and sell your complete soul out and you still won't get shit. So. Yeah, yeah, you, you did the work. You, Candace Owens ass thought it was sweet. She's like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We can do everything. Oh, yeah, Hitler, beep. Like, <laughs> you brought up Hitler, sweetheart. You're out of there, buddy. There's buttons you don't push out here, sweetheart. So yeah, you got, you got straight dick because you brought up the H-man and we don't do that, buddy. So okay, really, this this is the big question. It is almost the beginning of September as we speak. We have mercifully only about two more months of this. Who's winning? Who's on the board? Um, I honestly like if I'm. I mean, I, I I'm I'm a person I don't like to do predictions. 
Even we don't like to do this. Let, let, let's get this out of the yeah. way that we don't like to do this, but we are doing this show. We are doing this thing. We are here right now, out here. And if I'm going to ask this question at any other time period, like I got asked who's going to become the president when the Democratic primary was starting. And I told people all the time, I hated answering that question. Now I think if you're a political person, you're into politics all the time, and you're asked who do you think you're going to win between like now and election day, I think that's a fair question. Yeah, no. I put aside that we both hate the premise most of the time. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, in general, I don't like to do predictions. Um, but I honestly feel like, I feel, I mean, can I say it like this? I guess I can. I feel like white people are kind of over Trump. Um, and I think that a lot of people that didn't vote last time are also over Trump. They're not motivated by Joe Biden. They could care less. But I think like Trump has exhausted the nation in a lot of ways. Um, and I guess like it's more about the people who didn't vote last time. I think a lot of those people are gonna be motivated to vote. I, I, and, and from what I remember, a lot of those people came out in 2018 as well for the midterms. Um, what the hell are you drinking, man? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, do you hate what I'm saying? <laughs> do you hate what I'm saying that much? I'm like, gosh. I mean, yes, honestly, I don't think that, like, I don't I mean, think well, that. Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish. I think that the people that didn't vote are exhausted by the Trump presidency, and I think that they'll come out and vote against him. That's my prediction and also my hope. Fair, yes. Um, my hope is that Trump does not win. Um, the polling is nowhere near as close as it was in 2016 at this time between Hillary and Trump. Uh, Biden is winning in a landslide, and that's totally great. There's still a number of opportunities for Biden to screw this up. There's still a number of opportunities for Trump to um, spin up the fear machine and get some points back under his column. Um, like we said, there's no bottom with Trump at this point, like we've reached it, that's not going to happen. But we could still see him get some points back up on the board. Like he really has nowhere to go but up at this point. But um, there's so many irregularities and issues with um, mail-in voting and what that might possibly look like. I think that it is still very much like Joe Biden is the Los Angeles Clippers in the postseason. It they look good, but literally they can lose at any moment, and it's more likely than not that they will just completely fuck it up in the toast. <laughs> so, so you think that Trump's winning 2020? I think that uh, no matter how hard Joe Biden tries to draft Chris Paul or Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan or any of them, I don't care no matter how many racist coaches that Joe Biden tries to fire, I don't think that he's going to make it past the semifinals. Well, I mean, I mean, like, so I'll, I'll, I'll add a little more like color to it, I guess, because like that's it's a little bit of an exaggeration of my opinion for like the purposes of doing a show, but like it's, I, I, yeah, like I said, I think Joe Biden has a little bit more of a chance, but the same sort of, um, I basically just whatever the mainstream political media is saying and what they're saying right now is. Joe Biden has this in the bag, it's his to lose. Um, always assume that they are as out of touch as we know they really are. So there's just, yeah, there's so many other factors here that 
I think the assumption is to think that Trump is going to win um, regardless right now. Um, and I would absolutely love to be wrong, but that should be take by warning out there to um, fight hard with everything you can to make sure the infrastructure is out there, the um, opportunities are out there. Hell, if you're a young person and you have not, you don't face any like real conditions with COVID-19 and that's not something that affects you and people you live around, consider volunteering at a polling place because that might be super helpful this year. Um, figure out how you plug in and see things with that level of urgency if you are, you are concerned about a potential Trump victory um, because you should be and it's definitely not in the bag regardless of whatever polls out there tell you. Um, regardless of what BAM tries to tell you right now, this is still a very serious election, so we got to um, be careful. And then, then, BAM, I know what you're saying. is nuance. I'm just fucking around. No, I mean, I, one, I don't even believe polls. Like, I'm just like, they, they mean nothing to me, um, especially after the last election. But, um, I mean, just, just my hunch, like, just like my feeling is that, like, I mean, we know there's a lot of people that didn't vote um, last election, and there's always a lot of people that don't vote. But like, I just feel like Trump is just such a unique phenomenon. Like, and it's just exhausting. He's just like, it's just a like he's such like a cancer. Like, it's a unique situation with Trump. And and there's a part of me that gets bothered when people try to just like equate Trump and Biden. I'm like, dude, like, don't like, no, dude. Like, there's a unique fear that comes with Donald Trump, and like. Whatever whack shit Joe Biden, like whatever, I don't, I don't expect anything from Joe Biden. Not a damn thing. I don't expect this place to improve in a material way. But I need Donald Trump out of office. <laughs> like, I need Donald Trump, and I, more than just a single person, because I think it gets lost in like orange man bad kind of thinking. But yeah, yeah. I need the ecosystem and the cycle that Donald Trump um, perpetuates and gives a pass to, like the existence of Donald Trump in office of power um, empowers kind of the most like crazier assets, aspects of society to go out there and be wild. It empowers the people who want to drive through protesters, it empowers the people who want to shoot through protesters. Um, just by not having him in office and having a different, uh, I use the term knowing its ramifications, by having a different regime take office, um, you are in this election more so than ever making a policy difference between certain norms and um, practices in society. You're really voting between um, the rule of law and some vague sense of ideas with um, accountability with Joe Biden, which uh, I agree, disagree with that, whatever, versus uh, Donald Trump and his political lackeys rules and a complete banana republic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like someone like, yeah, I have, I like, I have ideals and there's things that I'm like very passionate about when it comes to um, politics and like policy. But like, at the same time, I know where I live. Like I know where I am. Like I know it ain't going to be universal healthcare tomorrow. Like this is there, there's things that we gotta fight for in this country that like I think can happen, but they ain't happening overnight. And I know somebody that's 100% against everything that I believe in, socially, po politically, whatever, is Donald Trump. Like I can't have a conversation with someone like that. Uh, everybody in his damn administration going to jail. Steve Bannon has just got locked up. Like. Come on, 
for for all the like uh, Jimmy Doors of the world and Glenn Greenwald types that's just spending all their time talking about Democrats and Joe Biden giving a pass to Donald Trump this whole time. I'm saying this, all of you types to me, like you're, you're putting me in danger. Like, I want to say that, like you types are putting me in danger. I'm the those who are afraid to equate Trump with his true danger who say like, oh, him being elected will be good for the left or those who say that he's not really a populist and those who, um, uh, or, no, no, sorry, those who say he's not really a fascist or doesn't even embrace fascist tendencies and those who even insinuate such language are um, actually the problem and actually the thing that needs to face our primary attention rather than the harm being caused, whatever you want to academically label that harm um, rather that harm being caused, the real people is actually hurting. You, you care more about like the labels or the academic sort of categorization of things as opposed to the political consequences. In the best of cases, like with Glenn Greenwald, or in the worst of cases, like your like Tim Pools, your Beanie Warriors out there, you're basically just advocating for um, what is it? Thinking that your like literally stem tiny brain opinions are going to help. Um, the left in some way because things will get so bad they'll finally ignite the left into doing something else. Well, guess what? Things are going to continue getting bad and people are just going to get number. And people don't fight when they're numb. They just like um, wait till there's some momentum for shit to be breaking down and then they join the breakdown with it. But they don't get organized. They don't mobilize in the way that the left really wants them to. And it's not like anyone on that side of the left knows about mobilization because they're just fucking commentators. But Let's, before we wrap out of time and end up time, we're talking about, come, come on, you need to let me host, dude. We're, we're, we're having you think. Can I, can I get this okay. off? Can I get it off? Please, please, please. I know you hate me. I know you hate me. You're, just have another sip of that whatever you're drinking. <laughs> I, I just got to get it off because, you know what I'm saying? Dan, look, actually, no, I'm not apologizing because you deleted the last two. You're letting me get this off, son. For all you people, these media dudes who who have fashioned yourself on the left, and I'm this is me, Bam. This isn't Dan. Dan, not this is me. If you spent these past four years talking about Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, Biden when he got the nomination exclusively, and yo ass was giving Trump a pass every day and or pretending that he's anti-war and all this other shit, you're fake, you've exposed yourself, and you you are putting me in danger. I would never respect you people, ever. I'm going to listen to Dan. I'm going to be listening to the Dan show. Fuck all you guys. And, and, you, and you guys aren't, you, you're looking at yourself like, oh, I'm going to be fine. I know that. I know how you guys get down. You're you're not worried about yourself, but me. I'm a target. Trust. And and, right. and, and I'm bothered. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna let Dad host the show, even though he's been deleting these shits. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that was well said. I'm just gonna leave it there. Um, I am gonna move into the last part of the segment. Wait. Damn, you've been wanting me to record the whole time? That's what, that's, oh, fuck. Let me get that done. <laughs>
triggered, triggered, triggered. Yeah, I, I, I do not. I'm not allowed to make those jokes anymore. Um, but I've been looking at the recording thing that's recording, so we should be good. The last thing to talk about is I think, you know, this is when the campaign's getting really serious, and now Joe Biden is going to be. Um, he, he's got two minutes to convince the rest of the country that he's for real now. And so part of his investing in outreach, making sure that people are motivated to vote for Joe Biden, because, you know, apparently the um, convention didn't do that well enough, is to engage in outreach with the African-American community and what he calls shop talk. Um, in response to different things like uh, Pew Research saying that 54% of eligible black men voted in 2016 compared to 64% of eligible white men, Biden is going to have these virtual campaign stops in Wisconsin and similar battleground states to basically talk with African Americans like it's a barbershop kind of scenario um, and talk about political issues, ideally just kind of trying to touch on that um, breaking down social barriers and um, reaching out to communities that he does not have the most kind of connection to. So um, when, when you first heard the story, did you kind of like burst out into laughter, imagining Joe Biden saying something uh, a little bit off kilter about um, hootenannies or pickaninnies or something like that oh. while in a barbershop having a whole like thing over his head? Oh, with, with, you can't. everyone raising an eyebrow, just like, hey, hey, hey what was that though, boy? Yeah, 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 you know, boy. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't mean boy like that. I mean, uh, you know, you, you know, man. I mean, come on, man. You know, just like imagining Joe Biden fumbling in a real barbershop situation. Like, this is the DNC. It's not going to be real. It's going to be super stage as fuck. Like, it's, I don't know why they even try with the Spugazi shit. Dan, you can't be saying picking innies. Come on, dog. If he says picking Joe Biden. That's what Joe Biden would say. Like he would slip up and fucking like accidentally <laughs> say that in the damn barbershop. Like I'm absolutely, he, he literally told people on the breakfast club, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. He said that unlike um, the Hispanic community, the black, com like he said, um, unlike the black community, the Hispanic community is very diverse and far of the way they think. Going against that idea that the black voting block or any voting block is a monolith of any sort. Like this dude cannot speak. And like the words that come out of his mouth are, random and usually very old and random old words are generally racist. So I'm, we report you decide out here. I mean, I just really hope that they don't record it. Please don't put it out there in public or please be heavily edited. Like whatever you're going to do what you got to do. Like it's it, like all that, like that game to me is just like, all right. Like I don't pay attention to that at all. Um, and I just really like, like, please just like, dog, don't, don't record it, dude. Like have the barbershop. I would go if there's a barbershop thing and it's like Joe Biden, they were like invited me. Sure. Are you guys recording it? No. Okay. I'm there. If you are, I'm not going <laughs> like, if, like you're not going to have me there when he said picking innies and I got to sit there like nothing happened. <laughs> Uh, we at Syndicate 23, experts in not recording events, would be happy to help the Joe Biden campaign in any capacity they would like to in making sure that they can have this outreach with black voters and no one ever sees the evidence. Please don't. Please don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> Say a hoot nanny, but not, not picking any. Please don't do that. So, um... According to longtime Kamala Harris supporter Barkery Sellers, which, if I believe it or not, is one of like 
definitely during the campaign was one of the more um, ardent Kamala Harris supporters. And by that, I mean toxic. Um, he, he's from Jersey, right? Bakari Sellers? I think so. Okay. And yeah, apparently he's going to allow, they're going to hopefully allow for some space for the um, you ain't black comments, the prosecutorial record of Kamala Harris, the crime bill record of Joe Biden. Um, I mean, what can I say? As Joe Biden's campaign puts it, build back better. So I guess we're going to be bigger, better, blacker. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just like, I'm so, I don't have another two months in me, dog. I just want to fast forward to the end and I can know whether um, I need to literally start arming to the teeth or whether or not I can possibly um, four year, five year plan a semi normal country. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even saying it cynically, like I'm not really interested in that. Like, I'm just not like, I'm going to go vote November. I'm not really interested too much in what Joe Biden's doing. I hope that he's figuring out the swing states. I, I, I hope that you're doing that, buddy, like figure this shit out. Kamala Harris. I hope she gets out the black boat more, whatever you got going on. Sure. There's never going to be like a diehard. Oh, Joe Biden. Like I would love to meet that person. Um, but yeah, like I'm just, I'm not so like invested in like that part of what's going on. I'm I'm still concerned more with Trump. Like he's the president. I'm more concerned with, with what he's doing and hopefully Biden can figure it out. I mean, this is what we're working with, dog. Like this is what we got. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. All my fault. I will say if there's any consolation or apology I can provide to folks it is that um, there is also going to be an opportunity this November for a lot of candidates down ballot um, yeah. on the state level and on the local level who um, that's the easiest way to really sneak in as a really extreme politician on either end of the spectrum and kind of get your vote counted or like your voice heard. So do your research, check and see if there are any like super hard ass far left um people running for school board or city council or comptroller or anything like that in your area. Um, find out the history, make sure they don't just say the buzzwords like Green New Deal and Medicare for all, but like they really mean it that their um, speech and their actions and their history that you can find online um, of what you can um, matches their rhetoric and what they're saying and that their critics while um, tough are like fair. And yeah, I think they're, while there's a lot of doom and gloom to be had over the main ticket, the president gets, gets a lot of attention and Congress is pretty fucked too. I think there's a lot of um, space for things to happen on the local and even state levels. And as we found out, some of the things that the Trump administration has tried to do in um, the past couple of years has hit roadblocks because of state laws and local laws. Um, it's also hit roadblocks in the side of harming causes that are near and dear to the left, but that is even more the reason to make sure that we have people on our side, people who will listen to us in positions of power so that we can, yes, stop going on the defense. We can actually fight on the offense. We're no longer the reactionary Democratic Party that exists only to get dragged by the legs further right towards in the political spectrum, but something, a new party, a new power that is um, forceful and able to actually fight back against right-wing extremism in this country. 
so yeah, it's, it's, it's that that's a call action. Usually Bam usually tells me to do something and solve something magically. But no, the elections are coming soon. If you can vote, vote and get your ballot off as soon as possible and research the candidates on there and make sure they are left as fuck. And then when they do get elected, just like with if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris gets elected, um, like literally keep them accountable after they are elected so they don't just look at the election day and go, whew, I made it. Time to collect my check. No, um, the fight does not end on election day. It doesn't end any day. Uh, bam, I am going to state very clearly that this is the last time that I'm going to throw to you. So get all of your words out now. Uh, I'm the enemy, even though I didn't delete the last two. It's okay. I'm. I just want to say that I would love for Dan to run for office. You know what I'm saying? Maybe uh, uh, city council, Long Beach, or something. Maybe mayor. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, state senate. I would be 100% completely backing Dan. Did you guys just hear that speech he just gave? This man is built for politics. And I hope that we're having you to vote for soon. I got too many skeletons in the closet. Don't even ask me. I can't. They start pulling up my WhatsApp history. It's over for your boy. But you, <laughs> sir, I think that you would make a great represent, rep- representative of, uh, of the people. I think there are enough episodes of the Audio Face podcast to disqualify me for any form of elected oh. office or <laughs> even dog catcher. Um, you're right. You're right. Never mind. I take it back. Okay, ch- ch- check out that plug right there, where um, noted uh, podcast uh, guest. Yeah, yeah. No, I, sh- I should not drag them because the episodes were deleted. I guess it's fair. Stop it, Bam. You'll make me actually feel guilty. Um, anyways, uh, yes. Let's end this episode. Let me make sure this recording recorded because I'm looking at the recording thing and it looks like all is good. But we will find out the results later. Um, Bam, thank you much for joining me. Uh, Bam can be found on the We Made It podcast. We made it, I'm not going to say the, We Made It podcast.com is at the website where yes, you'll sir. find. Yes, sir. Good. You can find all of the um, soccer coverage related things right there. Um, obviously, you can find me and Sean on AudioFace. We're reviewing music every single week as it comes out at audioface.show. Um, to find out where to subscribe and watch us on YouTube and all that stuff. And Power Report will be back in another two weeks with um, hopefully fewer tech issues and a really good interview. So um, thanks for all for joining. And until then, try to survive the next two weeks and not go postal. RIP Chadwick Bozeman. RIP Chadwick Bozeman. Um, is it too late to say, or is it too wrong to say Killmonger was right? I hope you're not recording. I hope you're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's either going to be the outro or the intro. Oh no, come on, dog. <laughs>